0: to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host E.K. Wimmer.
1: Hey E.K., I'm Mariah Rose.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Great. Not as great as you. You just had a snooze in the hammock.
0: No, I almost had a snooze (laughs) in the hammock. (laughs) I'd set everything up to record and then you said, well, give me a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what to do with myself and it's really nice. We normally record pretty late at night, Mm -hmm. but it's a Sunday so we had time off. Yeah. And I I thought, well, I'll waste a little time by just going and laying in the hammock in the backyard, and boy. Well, it's like (laughs) the first
1: perfect day of spring. I mean, we've had some kind of warm days, but today's like perfect, perfect. Uh, Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, welcome, everybody. If this is your first time listening, this is Laser Graves, podcast on 80s-related stuff. And um, (laughs) if you're a returning listener... Welcome back. We've got a, a doozy for you this week. Yes. <laughs> we'll get into it. Um, before we do, what have you been up to? Anything special?
1: Um, I've been just kind of enjoying the seasonal change like a middle-aged woman. I'm just outside wandering in the sunshine. It's great.
0: <laughs> I think anybody, you have um, seasonal depression like a lot of people I know, yeah. which is... Winters can be a little rough to get through, so the second the spring starts to reveal itself, it's like life returns. Yeah.
1: Although I'd say living here in New Mexico, we've got sunshine more than other places, so yeah. I do I fare better here over the winter, but yeah, I'm really loving it. Although yesterday I did cover my whole face in googly eyes, so That's true. Pick your poison.
0: Very productive day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to?
0: I, I actually got a lot done. I've been recording. I've been still working on new music. Mm-hmm. I was originally planning on a second album to follow up on my last Blood Relations album. But the more I started to get into it, I realized I was kind of working on two different ideas. And mm-hmm. the best approach is to split it and release two EPs instead. So I'm focusing on the first one because the genres are were turning out to be kind of half and half with the second album. So I figured, well, I'll just group them together instead. And yesterday I spent all day long re-recording the live drums because Mm -hmm. I don't have drum mics. I just kind of do it old school with overhead mics and stuff like that. I like that old garage drum sound. But the first time I did all of the takes, I then went to start mixing it and realized it was pretty cymbal heavy. So (laughs) unfortunately, it was trial and error because I had not miked this room before. So I had to remic everything and then re-record all the parts yesterday. But I think that worked out well because I was able to work out some of the kinks I had noticed the first time. But yeah, yeah it was big. So that's everything as far as the the next EP. That's once I get these drums mixed, I just have to do all the final vocal takes and and we're good to go. So I'm excited. Hopefully, uh, an EP will come out in the next you know couple months.
1: That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, so very productive, very busy. But enough with that nonsense. We, Because we got to get into this one. Oh, yeah. This is one that I think people will be surprised to find out we had not seen before. This is, yeah. in fact, a first-time watch. I am very, very aware of this film, especially in the VHS community. It's just one of those. So I, I had my suspicions it would be entertaining, but wow. <laughs> I, I yeah. could not have predicted it was going to be this entertaining. So before we get into it. Let's run a trailer. I don't even know what the trailer's like, but hopefully it's some indication as to (laughs) what what we're about to discuss. Uh, This week's episode is 1989's Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge.
1: Colon Eric's Revenge. Yeah,
0: big colon.
2: (laughs) He's there. behind the wall beneath your own feet you all tried to destroy him in your greed you tore everything precious from him but eric remembers what if eric didn't really die in that fire and now (laughs) eric will make sure you remember too Eric Matthews is still alive. What do you mean they know? There's no escape from the horror. There was a nightmare at the mall. Eric the Phantom. Rock. Phantom of the Mall. Eric's Revenge.
0: Okay, so Phantom of the Mall. Like I said, I have heard of it. I remember Neon Brainiacs, I think, did an episode a long time ago, and that might have been where I heard about it. And then just being a VHS collector, this is kind of one of those fun films that people have. Mm -hmm. So I've known about it. I just never had a chance to get a copy. And then last summer, good friend of the podcast, Grizz, from the Bad Taste Video podcast, had a bunch of tapes that he had come across. And, you know, we have this little friend group that we've had for years, and he hooked me up with a copy because I had told him I was after it. So he sent it in a little care package, and I've been... Dying to watch it, but I didn't want to watch it without you because I had my suspicions. So, well, when you very pulled, happy
1: when you pulled it out, I was like, oh, great! Because Phantom of the Opera has spawned so many different directions, I was just like, oh my gosh, another phantom of the what? And it was a mall, so I was kind of like, this is gonna suck. And i really thought i'd just fall asleep and report back about how many times i fell asleep but i was very mistaken
0: (laughs) yeah this is one of those rare cases i'd say phantom um of the paradise is another very good one but that's that's 70s so we can't cover it unless we did a time travel but i think um this i had high hopes yeah (laughs) And, and it delivered on all accounts so to grizz Thank you for sending this. Uh, this is definitely a keeper for us. This is we'll front load it and say already it's Laser Graves approved for sure. Um, but anyway, thanks again. And if you guys haven't checked out Bad Taste Video Podcast, our buddies over there, if you like really uh, underground, um, offensive <laughs> horror movies, a shot on video horror movies, that is like the gold mine of films that you've never heard of. And then after you watch, you'll be thankful that you listened to their episodes. So go check them out. But anyway, okay, Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. This is very important, by the way. I'm glad they included that in the title.
1: Colin Eric's Revenge, yes. Yeah,
0: let's, let's talk a little bit about behind the scenes. The director, Richard Friedman, I recognize the name right away, is a return to our podcast. He also directed the wonderful... Doom Asylum that we covered a while back. Yep. I absolutely love that movie. It's really stupid. (laughs) It's so dumb, but in like all the right ways. You know, it's just a spoof. It's a comedy horror. But when I was looking into his filmography, he had a couple other things that, you know, people would know, scared stiff and stuff like that. Uh, But he also directed four episodes of, are you ready for this? What? Because you may be one of the only people that gets this. Baywatch Nights. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: do you remember yeah yeah
0: so it was a dark time oh man baywatch nights is so incredibly entertaining imagine david hasselhoff doing x-files but through the baywatch lens
1: yeah like a haunted
0: house it's like strange stories oh oh i highly highly recommend they're all on youtube i think we only watched like four of them but they were delightful you only watched four of them oh I watched a lot. I think I actually did an episode on Supertat.
1: Was that a COVID time thing?
0: Yeah, RIP, by the way. We miss Supertat. They were our buddies over in England doing awesome podcasting. I think I was a guest... If I'm not mistaken, I think I was a guest on an episode oh, where we covered Baywatch Nights. That's right. It's so much fun.
1: That, I think that was COVID times. And
0: so it comes as no surprise that that Richard directed a few episodes of that.
1: Oh, okay. I really
0: want to know which ones he did now. They're probably my favorite ones. Because <laughs> he's definitely got a distinctive style to his films. <laughs> and then the other uh, person I did want to point out before we moved on is the score was done by Stacy Weidlitz, who he has a ton of credits, but one of the ones that stood out to me was Prayer of the Roller Boys. Do you remember oh, that one? Wow. <laughs> so he's he's got quite a few credits under his name, too. Cool. The score was pretty good, actually. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I enjoyed it.
1: You did. You kept commenting.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's get into this one because... This is one of those films that you realize you're in for something, and then you worry that maybe it'll dip after a great opening scene, but it it just keeps going.
1: You get it served to you every step of the way.
0: It's really special.
1: This is actually labeled as a horror romance.
0: Oh, I think that's incredibly accurate. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of romance scenes. It's...
1: Yeah, it's like when they didn't know what to do, they're like, let's just put her in bed.
0: All these flashbacks to silk sheets and nipples. It's really funny. (laughs) It's a lot, a lot.
1: And we begin this horror romance where all of the best horror romances begin. The mall.
0: Yes, speaking of the mall, we both recognize right away, Mm -hmm. the way it opens is an announcement that's set up in the middle of the mall. And... I said, oh, man, this starts out just like Chopping Mall. Yep. And then you said, it looks just like the mall from (laughs) Chopping Mall. (laughs) And we looked it up, and sure enough, it is Sherman Oaks Galleria in L.A.
1: And most California people are like, duh, everything is shot there. But we don't know that.
0: I did think, you know what? This also looks really familiar. I thought it was from Night of the Comet also. Mm -hmm. And it was. So. Jeez. Mall had a a look. I don't know if it's still around. Probably not. Probably got plowed down.
1: Oh, if you know, tell us. This is mall royalty. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't need to know I'm not going there.
0: <laughs> but it was kind of fun, the idea that this was also shot where Chopping Mall was shot.
1: Man, malls. Do you remember when they were like the thing?
0: I remember when everybody thought they were the thing, but malls have always kind of sucked and everybody just has nostalgia for when they think malls didn't suck. But Did, were even you a in the heyday, they were still kind of boring.
1: Did you hang out at a mall?
0: No, I wasn't a mall person. Okay. I mean, I play like arcades and stuff like that, but... Or go to the movies.
1: You were just in a small town with one like hallway that they called the mall.
0: Yeah, it was just one long corridor. <laughs> yeah, with a rotating, a revolving door. of Businesses going out of business.
1: Totally, it still exists still to
0: this day. Yeah, yeah. it's. I don't know. I wonder if there's a. Like a wager on how long somebody can keep a shop open before it goes under in that mall.
1: Man, malls have been hanging on for like a decade now.
0: Yeah, but it depends. Because, you know, when we were at the Mall of America in Minnesota, that thing's crazy and thriving. It's got a whole... Indoor amusement park and stuff.
1: Well, and an aquarium and, like, all kinds of big brand stuff, too.
0: Yeah, so I think in bigger cities, they still make sense. But I think medium to small towns, malls are completely pointless.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. But there was a time and a place when they seemed full of promise. Yeah,
0: I think that... The 80s presented the malls in a very glamorized way through movies. Yeah. (laughs) But looking back, it was never that cool.
1: I used to go to a mall that was like 90 miles from our house because I lived in a small, small town. And so hour and a half to go to the mall and I'd be like, oh my goodness, the mall. Because I'd seen it everywhere in movies and TV shows and I'd get there and I'd walk it and then I'd I'd be done. Yeah. Because I didn't really like shopping and... What do you do?
0: You don't. You just do a couple laps and then you're like, <laughs> well, okay, I guess it's time to go.
1: But I always looked cool.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we're at the mall and we're having a ceremony. Mayor Wilton, who is played by Morgan Fairchild.
0: Quite, a, quite the hair.
1: So much blonde, curly hair. It yeah. deserves its own notation.
0: This is like Soap Star on full display.
1: Yes. So we've got her, Mayor, Mayor Wilton, and the mall owner, whose name is Harv Posner. I'll just call him mall owner. Yeah, nobody as we cares. Mean, yeah, Harv, whatever. They're hosting like a mall... Uh, opening ceremony situation, which I can't even fathom being excited about a mall opening, but they were apparently. And it's, I I think, just like the first part of a new mall. I think they had plans to develop it.
0: Phase one.
1: Phase one. So meanwhile, this is happening. There is a mysterious phantom-like figure lurking in the (laughs)
0: ventilation system. Yeah, also... All these interior shots of, of him lurking around are Ugh. so dark. Yes. It's really hard to see what's going on. <laughs> it is. I think there's a Blu-ray now, and I'm curious to see what that's like cleaned sure. up. Because, man, it's pretty dark. It is. It is.
1: But let's skip away from this. Let's meet some youths. and oh, yeah. I'm going to just call them youths because in the description, it refers to them as teenagers.
0: Yeah, it's not quite as bad as some 80s movies, but they're Definitely playing fast and loose with teenagers.
1: Yeah, it seems like they live alone, and uh, they are starting relationships with adults. That's
2: (laughs) true. I don't know.
1: Adults who have, like, salaried positions. So I'm unclear on ages. But our main youth is named Melody, and she has just been hired at the new mall with her friends Susie and Buzz. Susie works in, like, a clothing store, I think. Was it a clothing or a jewelry store?
0: Yeah, I don't remember.
1: And Buzz works at a frozen yogurt oh, shop. It was clothing. And then Melody works at like a restaurant.
0: Yeah. And it's a pretty good group. I actually like th- this group works well together.
1: Yeah. I f- failed to mention who plays Buzz.
0: Yeah. This is why I know about this. This is why everybody would know about <laughs> this film. The one and only, very young, early on in his career, Polly Shore.
1: Yeah. It the was... weasel
0: himself. <laughs> <laughs> but like pre-weasel, he wheezed the juice a little. He did. He's very subdued in this whole entire role, which yeah. is disturbing. It's it's awkward to see Polly Shore dialed so far down but there is one scene where he lifts his shirt and plays with his nipples and then pulls his pants down and i'm like oh there's the poly store we <laughs> there all know we see it. <laughs> but other than that they're... surprisingly yeah it's it's pretty mellow poly in this
1: but you can tell they're trying to like have him be the comic relief because when they go meet with him he gives them frozen yogurt and he's put a fake ear in it mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be funny but also setting us up for something down the road and he's just like Ha, ha and then he licks the frozen yogurt ear. It's... It, it is weird. Falls it's falls flat. It's
0: <laughs> very interesting to see somebody whose humor you will later know very well
2: mm-hmm.
0: not on display, but to see their face. Because it's kind of like seeing Jim Carrey or Will Ferrell not be funny. Yeah. But not in a serious role. Like, they're supposed to be funny, but not being funny. Yeah. It would be very unsettling. And that's how this is. I... Just not seeing Polly be Polly was weird.
1: It's a little spooky.
0: Although I'm really glad he's in this.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does great. It's just you can tell he's not comfortable in front of a camera being himself yet. Yeah,
0: I think this was his first, maybe his only, has he ever been in another horror movie? I don't know. Everybody's probably yelling right now. Of course he has. He's been in whatever, but <laughs> I'm not up to date on Polly Shore. Sorry.
1: Darn it. Why aren't you? Anyway, they so they've had their frozen yogurt and they turn away and Susie and Melody do and there's the mayor again and they do a photo shoot. This is important because the mayor's like, "Look, you's getting jobs." And the photographer is like he looks like a model, but he's a photographer, which just doesn't add up, but he's played by Rob Estes.
0: Yeah. He's like Mr. TV.
1: Oh, gosh. Yes. He's I knew him from Silk Stockings, which I never I don't think I ever watched a full episode, but they're (laughs)
2: okay. Well, sure. It's my
1: favorite show. Uh, It was ads on uh, USA, big USA fan. And it was always him and like a scantily clad woman on a boat or jumping off of a boat. It seemed. I don't know. But that's yeah. what I recognized him from. But you said he was also from something. My movies. favorite
0: two shows, uh, Melrose Place and 90210. No, <laughs> you You'd no, always know. I was looking up his credits. I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course, that guy was also on those shows. He's very, <laughs> very much the, the typical 80s handsome, like early, late 80s, early 90s yeah. stud.
1: Yeah, he's just got that full vibe. So he's the photographer. And he is instantly a creep about Melody. He's like... I uh, don't mean to intrude, but I photographed you when you were in the fire. And she's like, oh,
0: yeah, he's so much of a creep early on that. I didn't know if it was supposed to be a red herring at first because because of how creepy he is, but it's not (laughs) spoiler alert. No, he's just that weird.
1: Yeah. He just has kind of, uh, I think, big eyes that make him look a little intense Uh, But this is where we learn she's the only survivor of a fire, and she quickly reveals to him that she thinks the fire was arson, the police were not looking into the fire, and uh, her boyfriend died in it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to take in. This film... What's interesting about it is that the plot itself is very straightforward, but it's also incredibly complicated. (laughs) Yes. I don't know how they managed this.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of dead ends, too. When
0: we were watching it, about halfway through, I remember thinking, we don't really have much to talk about beyond the obvious of this is what happens Mm -hmm. until the end. And then I thought, whoa there's a lot to everything happened yeah. yes it's, in, it's pretty intense
1: so while she's talking to him about this potential arsonist she opens up a work locker and in it is a bouquet of orchids and she's like oh Eric, my dead boyfriend is he gave me orchids so
0: yeah and this will be the beginning of many things that happen throughout the first part of the film of some indication that somebody is messing with her yes about that Eric. knows her intimately. Wink, wink.
1: So uh, it's, this has gotten a little dark because she's real bummed about dead Eric. So we got to lighten the mood. We go to a scene of pervy security guards watching the security c- cameras. And there are women in a dressing room. This was completely unbelievable because they were all hot. And none of them had the, their dressing rooms closed. They were just like walking around naked.
0: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> And the that's pervy security
1: guards were super thrilled. <laughs> yeah. They were very, very excited. Anyway, the owner comes in. So they're like rambling to make it look like they're not he comes in and he's like uh i think i heard like a rat in event why don't why don't you pervy security guard number one go check that out
0: and that's because we failed to mention we've already this film opens up with a kill that's the nice oh, thing yeah. i was a little worried that this film would lack in in the kill count and not only did it not lack in the kill count the kills were all <laughs> ridiculous really ridiculous yeah highly entertaining and the first one involves a crossbow. We don't even need to get into it, but that's basically why he's going is because there's already bodies stacked up <laughs> in this mall.
1: So he's going out to check out what's happening in the vent, but along the way he passes Melanie and he makes the fatal mistake of being a perv at her. And guess what? We've got a mall phantom lurking and watching and he doesn't like mall pervs talking to Melody.
0: No, he's very protective. So- and it's crazy because we, we don't have any clue who this person, being a phantom in the mall is even though the film is called Eric's Revenge. <laughs> I don't know why. I just was thinking this the whole time. Why they keep him in shadow for the first part of the film. Yeah. I'm like you already gave it away in the title of the movie.
1: Oh, also we should mention at some point here he had cut part of a mannequin's face off and he's using it like a Phantom of the Opera style mask <laughs> on half of his. Head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Was so good.
1: <laughs> so he, with that on, he now is driving a forklift. <laughs> yep. And I he, forgot about the forklift. And one. he runs this guy over, and I think he like runs him into like an electric panel yeah, or something. Yeah, he gets electrocuted. And his eyeball pops out and lands in frozen yogurt mix. I think you know where that's going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I think, its is it his body or the first body? One of those bodies falls through the vent shaft onto the mall owner Harv's desk.
0: Oh, I love the mall owner's reaction through this entire movie. Anytime there's death or there's at one point a decapitated head that's mm-hmm. underneath his coat rack, he goes. <laughs> oh, we're getting a little head, but he goes to take his coat off the coat rack, and it's hanging on a on a mm-hmm. severed head, like piked. And he goes, "Oh, he just like every response <laughs> is really oh shoot." Yeah,
1: and this one oh it had to be this guy because the the body has a note pinned to it that says "an eye for an eye."
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty
1: good. Okay, so let's go back to Melody. It's nighttime now. I don't know what she's been doing at the mall all day. She just fell into a time vortex. Now it's night. She's in the parking lot. Her car is having trouble starting. Also, there was another present in her car. It's a whole thing. She gets out to look Under the hood because Mm -hmm. she's also a mechanic and a masked man just runs up and starts attacking her. (laughs) And we'll get to the masked man here in just a minute because it's so random and has no place. So amazing.
0: This is there's so many layers to this film. Yes. That's the, the joy of podcasting. Is that you could have just watched this and moved on with your life and been like, well, that was a weird movie. Mm -hmm. But when you're podcasting, you have to stop and reflect on why these characters exist. You gotta break it down. Why were they written in to do this? And the more you think about this film in particular, it is... So bananas. It's wild.
1: Yeah. So she's being attacked by a man. He's like wearing all black. Got a mask. He's just kind of grabbing at her. And then our mall phantom appears on the roof of the mall. And he's got a bow and arrow. (laughs) Yeah, he
0: shoots him with a crossbow again.
1: Right in his shoulder. And he is like, oh, and runs off. So like Melody's abduction or attack, whatever it was supposed to be, has been thwarted. And the mayor, Morgan Fairchild, pulls up just in time. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I'll call the police. Don't you worry about it. I'm sure they'll talk to you tomorrow, but I'll take you home.
0: Yeah. And I think already at this point, We've had a couple of the romance flashbacks.
1: This is a big one, though.
0: Yeah, they're really entertaining because every time she's left a gift or something, she has to kind of hold it to her and then daydream back into just basically the only time they were ever romantic is what I'm gathering.
1: Well, but it's always in a white satin bed, but... When we actually see their romance, it was just a regular bedroom, so I'm not sure. This is like a fantasy, but then she always wakes up from those fantasies all sweaty and like scared.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's complicated.
1: All right. Oh, I should also mention, I forgot to earlier, when she was talking to the photographer, uh, Peter, about the arsonist, she said, I saw him and he had a religious earring. That's really
0: important. Super important.
1: Well, you know how big earrings are in religion.
0: Yeah. Also, when you look at everybody creeping around the mall, he's not the most obvious one.
1: (laughs) Totally. Okay. So just, I forgot to say that earlier. So just put that in your back pocket. We'll get to it shortly. So she's had this super sexy dream. Mm -hmm. She wakes up. She's all sweaty. And then let's... Go to the mall that day, and we see that they have a pianist like at a grand piano. (laughs) So
0: just crammed in there as a random scene. Hello, ladies.
1: Well, yes, but the day before, I had been, he like talked to the ladies as they walked by, and I was like, what was that even about? And then today, he's at his piano, he gets up after playing, and he goes to the bathroom. And he takes off his—he's—he's he's in like a tuxedo, yeah. and he takes off his coat to sit down and like t- drop a deuce, and we see the white shirt underneath. He's freely bleeding where he's like been openly shot bleeding while
0: he's been playing piano all day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's blood soaked. He's clearly not put a bandage on it.
0: Uh, this may be probably. Yeah, I'm going to say this is my favorite scene in the movie. This whole entire sequence is You got to walk us through it. So he gets up to go to the bathroom and and drop a load. We see that he's just been bleeding out the whole day while he's playing piano. (laughs) Then he pulls his pants down and the shot, the angle of the camera (laughs) is him, like front facing. But he's got his pants down, but his shirt is covering where his crotch is. Knees spread wide. So funny looking. And he's sitting there taking a dump. Meanwhile, we get cut back to the Phantom in some random dark place, putting something in a bag into a random pipe. A red pipe, yep. Yeah. Keep in mind the mall is a very big place, but he knows exactly which pipe to put it in. What is this leading to? (laughs) Just pure cinematic gold. Out of nowhere. (laughs) A cobra. (laughs) Pierce out of the toilet <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at it and it kind of goes, Whoa, Look, like a cobra is it. like charmed. <laughs> and then it completely just bites his balls. And I guess that's what kills him, right? Yeah, Death he... by Cobra to the nuts. Yeah. It is so incredibly funny. Because as this is this all happening, this is one of those moments where you're like, No way, this is not gonna happen. And then it does. So it does. It delivers on such a grand scale. And then when you put it all into perspective of the entire scene, it's so over the top.
1: It's ridiculous. I love
0: everything about it. this. is definitely my favorite kill in
1: yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, it's great. And the sadly, the cobra doesn't kill anybody else, but it is around. Just know it's it kind of hanging definitely
0: around. Definitely makes us some more appearances.
1: Yeah. It doesn't
0: go away, which I really appreciated. But it
1: has no further role.
0: (laughs) Well, no, but later in the film, we're like, hey, it's the cobra. (laughs) It's just hanging out. It's just hanging out. It's fine.
1: (laughs) At least till the end. So uh, we now also have to address the issue of the missing security guard. Did the owner call the police, report a missing? Nope. He hired a new security guard, he says, to the remaining security guard. This new security guard has a very religious-looking
0: gold airing. And boy, so they're in the Sam Goody or something like that, looking at CDs. And that's when we get a good look at this security guard, yes. who's the shady one that she said she remembers seeing the night that Eric burned up in flames. Yeah. And this is when we see the guy up close really well for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe my eyes. I was so incredibly excited it was none other than the devil's son himself, Tommy from Hack O'Lantern. Yes. I had no clue he was in this, and that that just made this film like instantly I loved it because of that.
1: Yes. And go listen to our Hack O'Lantern episode.
0: Yeah, you'd really like it. It's a really <laughs> cool episode, oh my gosh. I did like that when I saw that it was Tommy, I got excited and turned to you and asked for a devil's high five. And you gave me one.
1: I did. I did. I'm
0: very happy about that. (laughs)
1: So Peter, our photographer, he's just messing about at the mall again. And he spots the earring man. Remember, she had talked to Peter about the arson, the night that her of the horrible fire and so she had mentioned this religious looking earring and he was like i've never seen a religious looking earring before that security guard has one <laughs> but he's like i'm gonna be real subtle and take its picture so he turns and there's like these big security like those round security mirrors and he uh-huh. just turns the opposite direction and takes a picture of him in the security mirror but it's like and he just looks up and knows instantly he's been <laughs> photographed and then the wildest chase ensues there is, like, no pretense. He's not like, I think you're stealing. He's like, you took my picture. And he just chases Peter, who's a professional photographer.
0: I love this chase. At it's one point, ridiculous. He's, Tommy's on top of the the elevator. Going he, like, like jumps on it. Like, growling. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's so incredible.
1: So it's this wild, wild chase. And it ends when he comes out of the um, elevator and there's the mayor. Mm-hmm. And then the security guard's like, mm chase over
0: <laughs> yeah yeah chase so weird got called off
1: so so weird but i love it peter does get away uh and he gets the photo developed which i think is hilarious because you were like waiting for him to just show melody the photo
0: oh this is pretty funny let's stop and talk about this okay. This was the first time this has ever happened to me i am a photographer it's what i originally went to college for doing darkroom photography mm-hmm. and yet here i am in the year 2023 When he says, I got a couple shots. I don't know if they turned out. I'll let you know. But he's sitting down with her, holding the camera in front of her. And I'm just waiting the whole time for him to turn on the screen and start flipping through the shots. And he never did. And that's when I realized, oh, yeah, it's like 35 millimeter film. Yeah. That was crazy to me i've not had that happen before yep i just completely had space that that is not the type of camera that's always been around because we're so used to it now. yeah
1: we really are so he had to like go process his film and then he presents uh melody with the photo and she's like yep that's the arsonist confirmed like they're just kind of fine with that and now we also have to get to a, a second like subplot or I don't know we're maybe on our fourth subplot. The owner of the mall has a teenage son. Air quotes for teenage cuz it's clearly like a 30-year-old man. Yeah. Who's a thug. He's always make, making trouble like just randomly throughout sprinkled throughout the movie. He's um stealing like from pinball machines and he's real pervy to melody's friends and when he's doing this harassment of a female his dad catches him and he's like you're out of here and he's being kicked out of the mall is like nope i see a skateboard gonna steal that too (laughs) uh and it's now nighttime i'm not sure if he left and came back or what but now he's at night alone in the mall with the stolen skateboard. He's just
2: doing
0: some freestyle this... Rodney Mullen like skateboarding. It's really funny.
1: Yeah. And this is, I think, my second favorite kill. Is
0: it? Okay.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he's skateboarding and our phantom, it appears backlit at the top of an escalator <laughs> and he starts whipping around a lasso.
0: <laughs> From the top. Yes. Everybody has been in a mall. You know how high up an escalator rope. is. To be doing the cowboy lasso.
1: Yeah, he throws does. Throws it in
0: perfect first try.
1: Yeah, right around the neck. Right
0: around the neck. And instead of, you know, running off with it, actually a pretty smart kill. Yeah. He just tucks the rope into the top part of the stair so that it just starts to pull him into the stairs and choke him mm-hmm. and then crush his neck by the time it gets to the top.
1: I feel like escalators are so slow, though. You could just like... Get your footing and loosen it and, like, lift it over your head. But don't worry. Our thug was not smart enough to figure that <laughs> no. one out. And he was killed.
0: It was a really good kill.
1: He was strangled. Meanwhile, uh, Melody is talking more in depth now with Peter about the night that her boyfriend's house burned down.
0: This subplot and other subplots. This is such a soap opera. It
1: really is. It's... Rob Estes was getting all set for 902. It
0: really is. Like, the way the story unfolds is so... So much a soap opera.
1: Yeah. Also, we need to address: Is the piano player that got the cobra bite? Was he involved with this plot, or is he just a night attacker who happened to attack her? Yeah,
0: I think he's just like a rapist who okay plays piano know, by plays day. a piano by day, rapes at night. Okay, and then uh, had a cobra bite his crotch. But in case people haven't put it together yet, the phantom is in fact. Eric. I mean, there's no denying that.
1: Well, no, no, no. We haven't confirmed it yet. Don't worry. We're about
0: to confirm that it's Eric. <laughs> but until we have it confirmed, <laughs> what we are getting in addition to all the kills are these random shots of him doing extreme, <sighs> like martial arts uh, with weapons training.
1: Well, how else he going to learn to roundhouse?
0: Is so? a lot of weightlifting. But his lair that he lives in. I guess, is under the mall.
1: It's like a cave.
0: It's a cave with a dirt floor, but he's got a really nice couch. Mm -hmm. Like Like a a leather leather couch. couch. I don't know. You must have like drug it out of a store at night or something like that. I don't know. It's crazy. It reminds me of somewhere like a member of the Foot Clan would live. Totally. And he's constantly doing these ninja kicks and weapons training throughout the entire film.
1: My... very favorite is when he goes to lift weights and they're 10 pound weights. (laughs) They clearly
0: say 10 pounds. (laughs) He's like (laughs) bumping up. Yeah, that's pretty funny.
1: Okay, so Melody is giving a more in-depth insight into that fateful night. Apparently... Eric, her boyfriend, lived in a house with his parents. They've come back from a date. He pulls down like a notice on the front of the house because somebody, some developers are trying to force them to sell their house so they can develop a mall. Um, He is upset and she's like, let's not, let's make out instead. So they start (laughs) to make out. Things get really hot and heavy, so it takes them a while to realize that the heat is not just coming from their bodies. (laughs) From their (laughs)
0: loins. You know, this is great, too, because there is nudity in this, but it's all clearly a body double. Yes. And it's so funny to watch it cut because every nude scene is from the neck down Mm -hmm. and every other shot is only from the neck up. Her reacting face. It's so funny. It is so over the top.
1: It's great. So they realize now the house is on fire and he shouts out, mom, dad. And that's when I, I'm like, wait, are they adults or are they teenagers? Yeah, no, he's living
0: with his parents.
1: He's calling out for his parents, but he's like, go out the window. So he helps her get out the window, but she falls and hits her head. She says, while she's falling and she kind of is, and looks up at him and he's screaming at her. The house is in flames. And then she looks and sees our earringed man
0: yeah also did his parents die in the fire too
1: apparently he's got to get his revenge yeah
0: also side note um (laughs) we there's a reason why we don't record it during the day we are today we thought it would be fun if anybody is hearing grumblings there would be low sounds airplanes flying overhead apparently our dogs walking around There's so much background noise, it's got to cut us some slack
2: (laughs) because
0: I'm trying to edit it out as much as possible, but it is shocking how many noises there are happening right now.
1: Yeah, I feel like your head might explode.
0: The airplane going overhead was just like, where did that even come from? We don't live by an airport, by the way. (laughs) Okay, anyway, sorry.
1: All right, so she's revealed all of the stuff, and he, Peter now, Peter, a photographer, now has a really good idea of what has happened, and now he's starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Because yes, he's a photographer, but he's got his aims on um, maybe a professional career as like a detective.
0: Yeah, private eye.
1: Yeah, so he is. Wait, is that what he is in silk stockings? Yeah. Yes. That's okay.
0: why he's wearing silk stockings throughout this whole film. <laughs>
1: so he's they're figuring it out together they're sitting in a car at this point and up comes our be earringed man and he's got a gun and he attacks him and peter quick thinker that he is uses the flash of his camera and they escape
0: yeah he flashes him and in that moment punches him doesn't he just lets him have his gun back yeah and then runs away i really love i'm just gonna call him tommy because i'm not sure what else to call him (laughs) I love how unhinged Tommy is through this whole film. There is no sugarcoating it. He never pretends to be subtle. It's just kill mode all times.
1: What's his religion, too? He's very protective of this earring in one scene. And there have been references made to it being religious, but that's... What is the religion?
0: I just love he may be one of my favorite villains. He's great. He's just off the rails this entire film. He never lets up. No, he He doesn't. Kill mode engaged.
1: But the pair escape him and they've got a plan now. They're like the only possible way to confirm what's happening at the mall is to dig up Eric's grave. So they go and <laughs> dig up a grave.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's no body in there. Yeah, that's it. He dug a very clean grave, too.
1: Every, like,
0: it was, he measured it out. It was out. perfect. <laughs> it was, like, perfectly dug. That's that true. dude has a background.
1: If you were going to dig up a grave, you'd go kind of willy-nilly, I think. Yeah. Or one would.
0: You well, might be. Yeah, I'd measure it out. You yeah, is a little OCD.
1: Yeah. Okay, so, meanwhile... Our phantom has big plans. He wants to plant a bomb and blow up the
0: mall. <laughs> it's just, it just keeps going, yeah, bigger and bigger.
1: So, while all this is going on, Melody's like, I still have to work at my job. So she goes to her job and is working as a waitress. But Earring Guy is there. he's, yeah. he's just like at a table. <laughs> <laughs> And so she runs into like some back room to call Peter and go, Earring Guy's here. But Earring Guy comes after her and knocks her out.
0: Yeah, he's very aggressive.
1: Yeah, he is. And he's going to throw her whole unconscious body into a trash compactor at this point. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's not told you. He's not messing around in this movie.
1: And then thankfully, Eric, our phantom, appears. And we can confirm that he is the phantom now because his empty grave is there.
0: Is this also the reappearance of the cobra or not yet?
1: Not quite. We're almost there. It's when they go underground. So the cobra's coming. It's made its way underground and we're all going to follow. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's the sequel we never got. Right. (laughs) Cobra's Revenge.
1: (laughs) It's just the cobra rising up out of the ashes at the end. Oh, spoiler.
0: Uh, With a little tiny phantom mask on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the phantom fights with our be-earringed man. And he wins. And our earring man gets his head, just his head, put into the trash compactor.
0: Full decapitation. It's it's extreme. It's a lot. Also keep in mind the Phantom who's got like superhero powers now. Like he's
1: Well He's been working out with those ten pounders.
0: He puts all of these skills to to use. He does. We get to see roundhouses, we get to see everything happening. Mm-hmm. He is ripped, he is ready to roll. And he's only like 19, by the way, (laughs) because he was a senior. But yet, he's this like superhuman killing machine.
1: And nobody at the mall is seeing all of these bodies unless he lets them be seen. Yeah. But meanwhile, all of this is happening. Melody's still unconscious. He takes her unconscious body down to his underground dirt floor leather couch lair, sets her on the leather couch, and he needs to do what?
0: Work out. Obviously. So he starts working out. So she literally wakes up on a leather-like Italian sofa <laughs> in a basement to see him working out.
1: Yep. And then they come together. Her yeah. her dead boyfriend, uh, he explains he's been hiding under the mall. So, here's a question: Did he like dig a cave under the I ashes don't... of his house,
0: or did he just go into the basement of his house and then the foundation of the mall? They didn't incorporate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know.
1: But it's like a cave because it's got like cave ceiling.
0: Yeah, and this is a really fun scene. This is another one of my favorite scenes in the movie because she now realizes okay. Eric, the love of her life, Mm -hmm. is actually alive. But instead of ever telling her, he's just been pumping iron and doing roundhouses in the basement of the mall for a year. Mm -hmm. Then he fails to mention he's like a homicidal maniac who's just been on a killing spree. I
1: think she's connected those dots, though. But
0: he takes off the mask to reveal his... (laughs) Like, deformed, burnt face that looks like Jason Voorhees underneath.
1: With, like, one eyeball popping (laughs) out.
0: So amazing. The makeup job cracks me up.
1: It's such a severe burn that it's pretty special that he was able to survive it while in a dirt hole.
0: I do like that she really is unable to hide. She's like, oh happy that you're back in my life. And then the second she sees his face, it's like, this isn't going to work.
1: Okay. So she is disappointed in his looks and behavior, which, I mean, the behavior pretty fair at this point. It's Yeah. And so he's upset and he crawls out and activates the
0: bomb. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and there's no turning back. No. I appreciate this too, because nine times out of 10 in a movie like this, when somebody turns on the bomb, it's like, probably not gonna kind of work out yeah we'll see that when he tells her what's done is done i mean he means it
1: yeah, it's, uh,
0: eric's not messing around
1: this bomb's gonna go off yeah so eric remember she called him before she got knocked out and he has now arrived somehow found them in the lair and they begin fighting and
0: this is when we see the cobra Oh, yeah. Because remember, he has to sneak past him. Yeah. And the cobra is just sitting on the ground, like, doing a bobblehead.
1: Yeah, just waiting.
0: I love that they let the cobra have another scene.
1: Yeah, it's just there. Uh, so while they're fighting, uh, Eric has the upper hand, and Melody shouts, I love him, about Peter. And Eric's real disappointed, and uh, Peter takes this opportunity to knock Eric out, and they make their escape. Meanwhile, upstairs, the mall is filling for an investor's party or something, rich people party. So there, it's a full house. That is why this bomb is set to go off this yeah. particular night. Let's go back to Buzz and Susie. So they're there, too. And somehow they have become aware of everything that is happening. Yeah. I don't remember any information being conveyed to them, but they have put it together in their own way, I guess. And they insist on going into the ventilation system to look for Melody. And then Peter, Melody, Buzz, and Susie all somehow reunite in this chaos. Yes. And they warn them of the bomb. So everybody, the foursome, is aware that there is a bomb. Susie and Buzz decide they're going to steal a motorcycle with a sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they, they want to, like, warn everybody. So they head to the security office so they can make an announcement Meanwhile, Peter and Melody find the mayor and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Morgan Fairchild's hair. We have something we got to share with you.
0: Yeah, this is the big reveal. Yeah. I didn't see this one coming.
1: No, that hair has so many secrets. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: a, a real, a lot of secrets hidden in that hair.
1: Yeah. She's like, yeah. Oh, goodness. Come with me. I've got a gun. Guess what? I'm a major investor and I know about everything
0: yes except the twist on her fate is so incredibly entertaining (laughs) (laughs) because out of nowhere eric does he fall through the roof
1: he just leaps out of a vent
0: that's right and he comes in pushes well uh what's his name stud mcgee tries to get in another fist fight he's like i don't even have time for this goes straight for the mayor picks her up like ultimate warrior style <laughs> over his head and throws her out the window of you know three stories up mm-hmm. where she lands in front of everybody down below and paled it was it's so funny yes. cuz it just went it went crazy i was not expecting that extreme of a kill <laughs>
1: the doll or whatever that <laughs> yeah. goes flying is so like, funny wow oh my gosh and there's a whole scene of climbing on beams which we cannot get into yeah but everybody Eric Melody no not Eric Melody Peter Buzz and Susie all end up on the motorcycle to make their escape in the nick of time
0: yeah because they are gonna get out now that the bomb is about to explode
1: right but we've still got the main owner dude of the whole mall to deal with and that is our phantom Eric's job he he sends the owner through like I don't know is it like a gas store? In the mall? Yeah. What is it? I don't know. He throws him through the window and blasts him with a flamethrower. Yes. Obviously, the like, I don't know, what are they? Tanks of gas or something. They explode. Yeah,
0: the propane tanks. Propane
1: yeah. tanks. There we are. And Melody and her crew make their escape and the whole mall goes up.
0: It blows up. You know what is crazy, too, because later on you would have CGI making some of these explosions. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fire and explosions. Yeah. And this is inside of an active mall that was used regularly. I wonder if there are special sets for it. Pretty wild. It I was, was cool. I was surprised at just how much chaos happened in the set of this mall.
1: Right. And then, so it's all tied up. Yeah, the mall on, blows up. Unfortunately, our cobra died. I, I can only no. assume.
0: the cobra is down in the basement where okay. it was safe from an explosion.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's got to come back for its revenge, though. <laughs> yeah, does. <duh. laughs> so, outside, Peter and Melody, who've known each other for like three days now. Yeah. Uh, Peter also reveals that he loves Melody. Yeah. And they embrace.
0: That's right.
1: Horror romance.
0: It's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this... Okay. So, that was our kind of rundown mm-hmm. of... Uh, of Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, Mm -hmm. this film delivers on every level. Yeah. It is worth the hype. It is rare for us because when we were thinking, well, what are we going to do for this next episode? Let's do another movie. I was looking through all of our tapes. I'm like, damn, this many years on now, we have watched so many movies. Yeah. It's really hard sometimes to find something to cover, especially one that we know will be fun to watch and be fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, it's hard.
0: So when I pulled this, it was kind of like wishful thinking. But we don't really get movies like this very often that are this fun and this good that we hadn't already seen. I don't ever remember seeing this in a video store. No. At all. And it is pretty random. I think it's easy to become a little jaded to the idea of Oh, well, yeah, everybody knows that movie. When you are in a certain scene of horror movie collectors or video collectors, it's like, well, that very small niche group knows about this film. But outside of that, this is not a well-known film because it just wasn't widely distributed. It had a a $3 million budget, which is okay. I mean, I can see that they put that to good use. Mm -hmm. It came out on December 1st, 1989, and I don't think it got a a theater release. I don't know. I, I didn't look into it. But it did get a VHS release, and that's what we have. It's Fry's Home Video. They put out some pretty good stuff. And the one thing I do know about from just hearing about this movie over the years is because Polly Shore would go on to become mm-hmm. a megastar, they repackaged it like they always do. I mean, think about the infamous hold, trick hold or treat on. DVD with, with Ozzy and Gene Simmons on the cover. Oh, right. Random cutouts of their faces on the cover of the DVD. And in doing so, to try and make it more marketable to a wider audience, they cut out a lot of the kills, like the decapitation and stuff. This is what I've read. I have not seen that cut. But apparently there is like a a majorly edited version of this. And I just thought about that. I'm like, I can't imagine this film without all of the kills because the kills are what make it so so incredibly fun. Yeah.
1: Ridiculous. Also, I'm not gonna let you just slide by on calling Paulie Shore a megastar, but it's okay. In the '90s. Well, yes, but he Encino was man. He was famous. Don't, don't list. In-law. That's not a megastar. A megastar is like Oscar winner.
0: No, Polly Shore was on MTV. He was. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're gonna argue.
1: He's not. Like, Sophia Loren. He is In the short. Army
0: Now was his Sophia Loren moment. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, but you need to back off. He's no Elizabeth Biodome. It had Kylie Minogue in it.
1: Okay, never mind.
0: So, what did you think of this?
1: I loved it. It was so fun and so silly. Absolutely over the top. Far beyond my wildest dreams. I felt like we had seen all of these kind of movies already. Yeah. So finding one that was just like, what? Yeah. A cobra? An eyeball and frozen yogurt? You know, just great.
0: Yeah. This is up there with greatest uses of a snake in a movie, too. Next to like Hard Ticket to Hawaii or something (laughs) like that. Like there's, this is a top notch snake movie as well. It is. So there you go. This is Phantom of the Mall. Highly recommend you guys watch it if you're into cheesy '80s movies because this delivers on all all levels.
1: Ten billion stars.
0: Yes, ten billion stars indeed. <laughs> um, that's about it. I mean, we don't really have much more to say on the matter. No. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to check out other episodes that we've done, you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to lasergraves.com to all of our back episodes. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram at Lasergraves And we'll just keep plugging away. I'm not sure what we have coming up, but the weather's changing. So who knows? Maybe we'll do some summer-themed movies coming up.
1: Oh, I was like, what are you getting at with a weather change?
2: Who knows? Yeah, yeah.
0: keeping you on your toes. <laughs> okay. Okay, everybody. Well, for this week... Keep in mind that I did confirm Polly Shore in the 90s was a megastar.
1: You really added that caveat after the fact, but whatever. Anyway,
0: well. we'll You
1: love Polly Shore, we know.
0: He's your favorite actor. In the words of Matt Damon from Dogma, time will tell. Time will tell. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.